Hey, Marcus, you like movies? Yes, I do. Have you heard of Ovid? Yes, I have. There's this great website called www.ovid.tv. It's O-V-I-D-T-V, but it's pronounced Ovid like the philosopher, poet, person. And you know me. If there's anything I love more than movies, it's dismantling, you know, capitalistic systems. Agreed. And you know what I love? Documentaries and movies about histories or concepts about dismantling these systems. And guess what I just watched? What did you watch? No Gods, No Masters, a three-part documentary documenting the influence of anarchists throughout significant periods such as the Russian Revolution, Spanish Republic, Paris Commune, etc., Interlaid, interlaying the concept of the black and the red, the black being the anarchy, red being the communism, focusing on anywhere from Karl Marx to Peter Kropotkin. It's awesome. And if you, from now until January 31st, you can save 25% off your first four months of Ovid, that means you'll get access. The best streaming service for critically acclaimed independent films for just five twenty-five per month instead of six ninety-nine. Simply head over to www.ovid.tv and use the code Zebra at checkout for a deal till the thirty-first. But if you want a whole year, type in Year of Zebras. But if you do Zebra at checkout, you get a few months. So it's up to you. You know, variety is the spice of life. That's a steal. It really is. And like socialism, stealing from the rich and giving to the people who like to watch movies, which aren't always the rich. And sometimes they're the rich. And I'm not saying that the rich are bad. I'm just saying, like, let's have a little equity. And it's really hard during these holiday times. So a little bit of discounts can be good. You probably spend a lot of money getting gifts for people. And how many times do you get gifts for yourself? Agreed. I see they have uh, Kelly Reichardt's Wendy and Lucy on the first page. Talk about a movie that talks about uh, economic disparity. Exactly. And she has a new movie coming out uh, next year, so it might be pretty good to maybe revisit some of her work. Personally, I think Wendy and Lucy is her best film. So Better than Old Joy. Yes. I just think it's a really good well, film. Well, it's like asking for like a million dollars versus like a million five dollars when it comes to that comparison. Fair enough. Both of them are really great, slow films. Wendy and Lucy is a movie about uh, a woman getting lost in in the world of the last bubble, uh, you know, the last recession that we're still sort of recovering from, yeah. and, and, it how, shows and how that affects like regular non baby boomers, non baby boomers. How it affects like uh, I, w- I don't want to say hipsters, but hipster adjacent people. Like, I like, just like to say, yeah, whenever there's young. like a financial crisis, it's always people are parents age and older. And it's like when the movie came out, you know, we were in our 20s, as is the character of Wendy. And it's just like, hey, played by people, Michelle, Michelle Williams. Yeah. People that are 25 and 26 are struggling, too. We're out of college. We have jobs. And now we're working. Now we're only getting paid for four days or getting laid off. So it's like it's and not it's, just the boomers that are being affected by and it. And it's like the antithesis to like that new like Harrison Ford movie where him and a dog like go on adventures. Because that's not really how people go on adventures no. with their dogs. And it's kind of sad. Some of the most heartbreaking stuff growing up in New York City is when you see homeless people, hungry people with their dogs. Sure. Because, you know, I'm not one of those people that thinks there's deserving or undeserving poor. And it, it really sucks, especially when it's cold months. And it definitely breaks my heart when there's when there's a dog involved. Yeah. So, Ovid.tv... 
Zebras at the checkout. Hey, Marcus, you like movies? Yes, I do. So do I. This is Zebras in America podcast. I don't remember exactly what episode this is. 109. But I am so happy to see you, my friend. Same. Because we have a bunch of stuff to talk about. We, we do. I've been watching so many movies of 2019 that we've had to push sure. back the year-end special because sure. I'm still changing my list. Sure. Because there's so many new movies that I'm new movies for me that I'm watching that are blowing my brain. Right. Right. This um, is a good year. This is a good year. And I want to say, just for the record, because a lot of these emails show and a lot of my, my I thought this year was very bleh, and then it's gotten better. Oh, right. I really did. The, you remember the first, first six months. Yeah. I was no, like, I misheard you. I thought you meant in general. I was like, huh? But I no, no. You. As, as a year. Yeah. This is one of the best years of my life. I finished my first year of graduate school. Sure. I found, I've... I've I lost a hundred pounds. I got my blue yeah. belt in jujitsu. Nice. I've had. I'm having like the best breakthroughs in therapy. Nice. I'm developing healthy boundaries with my family. I'm slowly developing friendships that really work for me. Awesome. Um, and but I also don't want to discount and 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 invalidate that for you. This has been a tough year too. It's been beautiful and tragic. Yeah. At the same time. So I don't. I don't. I. I don't want to celebrate and not also acknowledge you know that you've had a hard time too you know well speaking of therapy i'm struggling with celebrating the great stuff when it was really one and a half things like there was one you know if you listen to the show you know my mother passed this year and i also not too i'm not really exaggerating i almost died in august um yeah but other than that it's just like hey uh I proposed to my fiance, my soon-to-be wife. Yeah. Uh, she said yes. You know, in another country, on the beach. Yeah. She said yes. You sh- you sent me a video. It was gorgeous. Yeah, we have. By the time this episode comes out, we'll be just a little over a month away from the big day. You're going to be delivering. Uh, not a. You're going to be delivering a reading. We're we're trying to narrow down what we want you to read. Former former guest of the show, Leanne, is going to be officiating. A lot of friends, family, it's going to be a, a beautiful time. I mean, I'm sure the answer is no, but is it possible that I could just read slam poetry style uh, from Cool Keith? Don't give me biscuits and eggs. I want to marry you. Sure. Oh. Hang on. Hold that thought. I'm, <laughs> it's, uh... And it's rough because it's like I do want biscuits and eggs and I do want to marry you. Not you. No, uh, but I had biscuits person. and eggs and I want to marry Tim. So yeah, I hope so. Y'all are y'all are a wonderful couple. That, that might work. Let let's let let's table that. Let, let's table it for now. So so it's been an interesting year and a a year that has we've been an overload of superhero films. Yeah, is it more than like this year was so long? I forgot Captain Marvel came out this year. Like, there's yeah. certain movies I forgot came out in so, 2019. So it's not so much that there have been like more superhero movies than ever. There, there have been a few. What it is is that there's also tremendous amount of superhero television, superhero content. Yep. Um, there's like, there's not even that ex- that much of an exaggeration. There's nine or ten DC television shows right now. No, really? So I you, mean, I wouldn't know. I'm just saying. So really? you have Titans. You have a Harley Quinn show that apparently is fantastic. You have Lucifer. You have Green Arrow. You have Flash. Oh, right. You have Supergirl. 
You have Legends of Tomorrow. You have Batwoman. Damn. You have Young Justice. I think that was nine, dude. Yeah. Speaking of... Do, Yo, oh, did I say Doom Patrol? No, no. Okay, so you, you watch, have that. Then you have The Mandalorian. Then you have all these... The Boys. The Boys. Which is a good show. Which I, is a good oh, show. Oh. And then you have Watchmen, which is the best of them, aside from... You think? Yes. We need to do an episode. Yes. Like I a nice... Yeah. episode on that and, and I, then I'll say no more because I don't want to give it like short service because I watch I watch no, the no. entire thing neither do I and, so did I and I, what I will say is that when the, when the when the when it's opened with with the with the domestic terrorism that was the destruction of Black Wall Black Street, Wall Street in Tulsa yeah. Oklahoma I was like well one this is a different take on exposing black pain in Hollywood and and showing a a a part of history that people don't often talk about mm-hmm. but but this is a lot that we're showing in Hollywood of all this black pain right now where is this going and yeah. then it went to a very interesting mostly nuanced um interpretation and ad- and ad- adaptation of what a superhero world looks like right and how to in how to incorporate material that happened 30 years ago in a way that really feels interesting sure okay and and i think is a, is a is a much more nuanced balance to the voice yeah okay I don't want to add on because we'll be ta- then we're going to start talking about Watchmen. Right, and I really want to talk about the superhero movie that I've been trying to get to, yeah. which was the only superhero film with heart this year, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Which was Shazam. Absolutely. Now, you know, there is just a film with empathy, compassion, yep. decency, the ability to push home the importance of what real family is. Mm-hmm. Love and connection, mm-hmm. good use of children actors, good use of tone. Although going back real quick, going back to Watchmen, the young Regina King was the young foster girl in uh, Shazam. Oh, she, she had, had a, yeah, she had a crazy superhero kind she of year, had a crazy superhero year. But she, yeah. I mean, she stole Shazam. Yeah, she did. But, but let's 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 take a second and get there. Sure, sure. While also being a good superhero movie and. I met the dad Aww. from uh, Shazam on the street, and also, John Glover. And, like, acknowledging that they there's a scene where they acknowledge that there's, like, it's sort of, like, big but superheroes. Yeah, right. Yeah. But, so one of my favorite superheroes growing up was Shazam because it was my dad's favorite. Because mm-hmm. before it was called Shazam, it was called Captain Marvel, but for obvious reasons, he's not really called Captain yeah. Marvel anymore. In universe, there's different names, but Shazam, which is like a backronym for a bunch for like a bunch of names like Solomon, Helio, some uh, there's, oh. there's there's names Zeus, um, Ares, mm-hmm. Mars. Sense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, but that's been retconned depending on who writes it. When mm. it's written well, it's about this really confused child, often a foster child, and his foster family, mm-hmm. and they handle they handled the foster family so well and it's about this kid who gets lost from his mom and ends up in the system slowly yeah. searching for his mom getting kicked out of foster things getting getting, kicked out of schools getting kicked out of schools getting into fights really thinking that um it's all about looking out for number one yeah and then he starts living with the family in philly 
counter to that, there's also this guy who's been trying to get the power of these, of the seven deadly sins in magical form in this alternate dimension from this wizard played by... Mark Strong. Who's kind of like... No, I'm the, saying the, the other wizard. Hmm? The wizard that he's trying to get the powers from. Oh, sorry. You mean Jamin Huntsu? Yes. What's up, Jamin Huntsu? What's <laughs> <laughs> up, Jamin Huntsu? Uh, also, what's up, Doug? Yeah. Marcus, oh. Marcus, you ever smoke PCP? No. Also, what's up, Spencer? You you write great stuff. You write great, like, thoughts about our show. And, um, you know, there, we have we have some really great fans. I agree. Uh, Mr. Lenberg, Mr. Sure. Arminio, Mr. Rivera, all the people. Sure. Melissa Silverstyle. I, I just sent you an email. We're we're going to do an episode, I promise. It's just nice. been very hectic. And, you know, he... So, like, there's this guy... So, basically, Jaman Hansu has been, for many years, trying to get someone to take his powers. Yeah. And a lot of people, he just... He takes these kids or adults and brings them to this magical lair and has them be tempted by evil magic and all of them all of them get tempted by evil magic yeah one of them is the actor you just mentioned yeah sorry Mark Strong the resident villain in a lot of so many movies he decides that that he's gonna find this stuff and he's gonna become the bad version and they also sort of hint at that there was a previous evil not evil but misunderstood version of Shazam called Black Adam which is a film that's going to be made pretty soon with Dwayne The Rock Johnson playing yeah. Black Adam, which is a very good uh, casting. Sure. And so this kid, Billy Batson, is just looking for his mom and figuring stuff out and gets the power of Shazam and sort of does what like a little kid would do and does silly stuff yeah. until shit gets real. Yeah. But he's also living in this foster family where of like these really great people who are like, foster family is real family and we're foster people and and he develops this this um this beautiful connection and yeah that young girl steals the show but he becomes friends sure. with with his buddy who has who has some physical issues and yeah. and <coughs> it just deals with the family really well mm-hmm. the the superhero part of it was okay Mm-hmm. But what was really special was 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 driving home family and somehow being a Christmas movie, even though it didn't even come out near Christmas. No, it didn't. When did that? When did I see them? Was it May? It must have been. That it it wasn't. Sense. It wasn't anywhere near Christmas. Yeah. And I was just, I was just really impressed. Uh, tell me some of your thoughts about it, because I was like, I finally watched it. I'm like, why am I crying, dude? Yeah, I just think it came out at the right... Well, I don't know if it did come out at the right time, because anyone that I mentioned Shazam 2 outside of this podcast who's seen it, they're kind of like, no, it was fine. March 15th. Oh, right. Oh, oh, damn. Then I must have saw it in April. I didn't see it when it first... I saw it like when it was like about to leave theaters. But anyway, it, it's interesting. I have, I have two things to say about it. One is that like when I mention the movie to other people, they either haven't seen it or they're just like, yeah, it was fine. But my other thought is, I just think, like you were saying, in a sea of, you know, Marvel towards the end, especially with, you know, Endgame, everything, a lot of it was, like, dark and gritty and blah, blah, blah. Um, Not complete, full-on Christopher Nolan Batman, but they still got all serious and stuff. And Shazam, of what little I know about comic books, Shazam, 
of any movie this year, I'll just keep it to this year, felt the most like an actual comic book. It did, and also... It it, just had that vibe. And it felt like the comic that it was referencing. Mm. Like, Shazam is like this sort of, like, sort of silly, sort of serious, magical character. Like, he's... He's a he's a magical superhero. He often it's often like who's stronger, Shazam or Superman, and mm. depend on who the writer because sometimes Superman is, you know, per, imper, uh, pervious to magic, and sometimes mm. he's not. So Shazam's power is magic, but he's also a child. You you know, so there's that there's that connection. So where does he fit in the Justice League? He's, in the, he ju- he's in the Justice. He League. is in. Oh, yeah, okay. he's in the Justice League. Okay, he's one of the big guys. <clears throat> he's not always the he's not always in the main team, but he's a dude, and, and he has his own offshoots occasionally. And this new foster family they were added a few years ago, but I thought, but the fact that he has like a team of different characters, sure. um, does yeah, uh, uh, spoil mild spoilers. And I also liked how they were able to present like a character being gay nonchalantly. Yeah, because because one of his foster people sees a very pretty lady, and he's like, "Oh, not for me." No, yeah. no, they get they get transported into a strip club, mm-hmm. and he was like, "That wasn't for me." <laughs> yeah, and you you can you can infer what you will, but that's what I infer. You know, it's interesting. What else I got to think too is like <clears throat> between watching Shazam this year and watching. Binging on the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, it's like, so like Zachary Levy doesn't show up in a lot of stuff. It's weird, and I don't think he's utilized because he's quietly, just like his frame. Like he's also kind of one of the few people that could like play Shazam or a superhero without any kind of enhancements because he's like a tall, broad, like yeah, big guy. So it's just, it's just weird that he doesn't. He's not in a lot of things, but like the few things he's in are kind of culty. Like what was the show he was on? Chuck. Oh yeah, he was Chuck. Yeah, and that, but that's all before this year. That's all I knew. And him for. and Brandon Ruth, who played Superman, I mm-hmm. believe, was in Chuck. Oh really? Yeah. Oh wow. And Brandon Routh, Ruth Routh, mm-hmm. he's he's on he's on Legends of Tomorrow, mm. which is oh, I've seen pictures. And for a very cool crossover that came out this year, he replayed his his Clark Kent character. Right, right. You know, it's interesting, too, because Jamin Huntsu is another guy who quietly is cashing in on all the Marvel movies. He was was the crocodile guy in Suicide Squad, and he was one of the mercenaries in Guardians of the Galaxy. He's just kind of doing his thing. Just making that money, making that guap, making that yaper. I'm I'm still fascinated with this whole James Gunn thing, how he's doing both a DC and a Marvel movie. That's kind of... uh, It's kind of cool. Considering that they're just... They're huge competitors, and... Yeah, I mean, it, it was interesting. Not even com- it's not even a competition. The DCEU, like, what's even going on with them? Is there going to be yeah, another Justice League movie? I know, I know, true. Uh, who knows what's going to go on? I mean, there's the Harley Quinn movie, yeah. which will be interesting, maybe. Maybe. There's Suicide Squad, which could, which could be Guardians of the Galaxy, but with bad guys. Sure. Um, obviously, they're going to make a sequel to Aquaman. There's talk of turning the Green Lantern Corps into a TV show. Mm. They, uh, I don't know if they've... If Flash is actually coming out. Um, yeah. And so, is this... Do we know if this Robert Pattinson Batman is... I think it's loosely DCEU. Loosely? What, what do you mean by that, though, when you say... Meaning it's in the DCEU, but I don't know how connected it is. Right. Okay. 
Did they ever get... Is Deathstroke no longer going to be in that one? In that Batman? Yeah. No, the villains have been... No, it's... Uh, well, I don't know if Catwoman's a villain. But the other characters, it's it's Catwoman, which is going to be played by the... Zoe Kravitz? Yes, yeah, so I was about to say young Lisa Bonet. Uh, Zoe Kravitz. She's, Colin, her, she's her own person, yeah, damn it. That's true. Colin Farrell is uh, the Penguin. Okay. And then um, who's the other... Pr- oh, Paul Dano. Paul Dano's Riddler. That's right, that's right. I think there's more people as well. Who? Oh, man, I... Any three-villain superhero movie has always failed. If from Spider-Man 3 to... What's the other one? I'm, 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 uh, no, I'm sorry. Spider-Man 2. Even though Rhino wasn't really in it a lot. Still, like, when you have that many... When you have, you know... Oh, no. I was right. Also Spider-Man 3. Because you had Sandman, you had Venom, and then you had um, the Hobgoblin, you know, ca- kind of. But still, it was still three people that he had to fight against in that movie. It's just too much. It's like There's 10 also, pounds. Uh, and Bat- Batman or Robin. Oh, yeah. You know? Right. Which is one I, of the weirder movies to, sure, to ever sure. be made. I'm interested in how, what's going to pan out with Joker. Because it's one of those things where... Apparently now, because the movie made so much damn money, there's little rumblings about mm. possible sequels and whatnot, which, which is like Joker. I mean, money is king. Yeah. So it's like, that movie made so much money. Oh, Peter Sarsgaard so. might be Two-Face, and John Turturro is oh, playing Carmine, Carmine Falcone. Falcone. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, Falcone, he's... Minor. Right. Just like how, I mean, what's it called? Um, Carmine was in the other Batman movies. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, but it's weird that with all these gigantic films this year, mm-hmm. were there were there any other DCEU movies this year? No, I keep forgetting because like, didn't Aquaman bleed into this year? I think year? that was last year. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like it still played, but like, early this year, I think Shazam but, and Glass are the most memorable comic movies of 2019. Uh, yeah. I also want to tell a story. Mm-hmm. About old dirty bastard that connects to Shazam. Okay. And I also want to um, big up the, my friend and rapper Serengeti, mm-hmm. who he has his own cinematic universe. I call yeah, it. The, I call it the Kenny Dennis cinematic universe, where many of the characters are interconnected and. The whole albums were based on like skits he from makes, previous yeah, albums. Albums are made from like, skits. Albums are made from point of views of characters. Yeah. Um, in one, in one of his ep, in one of his movie in one of his albums, he reveals that in the nineties, Kenny Davis, Kenny Dennis, was in a rap group called The Grim Teaches. Also, Kenny Dennis has a song called Dennehy, which is, which is his most famous song because he talks about bears, socks, bulls, favorite drink of duels. What's yeah. up with Jules? Jules, his wife, made an album in the 90s that they released. Mm-hmm. And then he made a whole album as The Grim Teaches. Yeah. And in The Grim Teaches, he says that in the 90s, his character had a beef with Shaq, and he made a diss to Shaq called Shazam. Yeah. Shazam! Shazam! Shaq don't want none! Shazam! Shazam! <laughs> Which shows you how intricate yeah, and unique. Yeah, 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 yeah. And even um, today, I was talking to Getty 
on text message, mm-hmm. and he also was on Instagram Live today and said this pretty cool thing that I thought is I thought I would say. You know Scott. No. You know his podcast. Scott. No. I guess I should though. It's called Zebras in America, I believe. It's about film. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty good. He's a good guy. So that was a that was a glowing recommendation from Serengeti. Um, Oh, also one thing I don't think we've been saying is please rate us on iTunes. Yeah, I don't know the last time you've ever... Maybe the first time we went up on iTunes. I mean, I write about it every single time. Right. But not everyone reads our shit, so... Please rate us on iTunes. Check us out on Twitter, at ZebrasPod. Please. Email us, I believe, ZebrasPod at gmail.com. Let me double check on that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Give me a second. ZebrasPod at gmail.com. You know... Cause, cause uh, iTunes, cause reviews and ratings on any any platform where you listen to us, where you can do a rating or review, it really helps us. It helps the algorithm. It helps us build our brand. You know, we just we just got we're we're starting to talk to sponsors, yeah. which is a really cool thing, and we like to keep them, and we like to have sponsors that. Makes sense to us. Not not to say that we would turn down, you know, Blue Chews or Me Undies or Squarespace, but we really like having something that makes sense, a logical thing like Ovid. Or, Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and so I said that, I said that. So my buddy was eating at a, fa- at a I may have said the story before. Mm-hmm. My buddy was eating at a well-known Japanese restaurant in Park Slope in the late 90s. Rest in peace, ODB. And ODB is there yeah, yeah. with a bunch of bunch of his friends. Not a bunch of his friends, a bunch of his children eating a lot of sushi. And my buddy is wearing a flash shirt. And now the flash shirt is a lightning bolt with a circle in it with a red back. ODB goes up to my buddy, shakes him, and goes, Billy Batson, Shazam! Is that an okay? That's amazing. Is that an okay impression? That's yeah. not. Is that offensive? Oh, no. No, I'm not Why saying. Why would be offensive? I don't know. Cause, to who? Because I'm white and he's a black person? No. But he was like, Shazam! Billy Batson, Shazam! And my buddy didn't have the heart to tell him that, of it, course. that it wasn't a Shazam shirt because yeah. Shazam is a. Is a lightning bolt and a red black red back, but there's no circle. Yeah. So one, it's pretty cool because it's even more cutty to know who Shazam is, yeah. and and who his and who his um and who his alter, alter ego. ego is. Yeah. So I always thought that was a really cool story. It's awesome. Which leads us into speaking of stories. Speaking of family and family. Yeah. Marriage story. No. I was going to go fight with my family because you said The Rock. Oh, about family. doesn't crap. matter. No, no. So, oh, family's family. So fighting with my family. Tell yeah. me about fighting with my family. Uh, fighting with my family, it's a movie loosely based uh, on the real life story of uh, former, it's unfortunate, uh, former pro wrestler uh, Paige. And just, She's not wrestling uh, anymore? Not, no. She got a, man. So she had a career ending neck injury. 
man. Before she even got to the age of 30. It's it, which is really sad because she was a really good wrestler, and so let me okay so first yeah so it's it's a loose it's loosely based on the story of Paige and kind of like her quick rise to uh, kind of excellence. I mean she'd been wrestling since she was a little child because both of her parents are famous uh, wrestlers in the UK, but she's also the youngest uh, women's champion. I think she won the championship when she was nineteen or twenty, which is kind of like unheard of. <clears throat> Um, so there's all that. And then the kind of, the big connection to that movie is not only does The Rock have a few scenes in it, but, uh, similar to the subject of the movie, you know, I think the further into Hollywood that The Rock gets, people forget that no matter what, The Rock comes from a wrestling family. The Rock is third generation. Because the movie is about a wrestling family, a legacy family. Yes. So I can understand why Rock was like... Yeah, we'll make this story. Yeah, and supportive of this these families because it's like it's I don't know what it's like in other sports. I know that boxing and professional wrestling legacies are a thing, and even more so with Rock's. It's, and let me just say, it's not just the Moen side. Rock's father, uh, African American Rocky Johnson, uh, was also a wrestler. But on the Samoan side, a lot of the Samoans in pro wrestling are like directly related. They're all brothers, siblings, cousins, like the Usos, Roman Reigns, The Rock, um, the Head Shrinkers. Like, all those guys are, like, close family. And uh, even um, Yokozuna, who everyone was always amazed to find out he's not Japanese, he's Samoan. He's a second cousin of the Anoi family, the the Rock's family. So, yeah, everyone's all, it's a very incestuous, close, you know. And, and, he, and, <coughs> and he was a dude that was just like a regular second ringer trying to be a babyface over yeah, and was. over and over yeah, again. Was. Yeah. I remember watching a couple Royal Rumbles where he was like a, a regular dude just showing yeah, it was like up. like the first guy thrown out. Yeah, it was all, and, and it was just like always like, when is this going to work? And finally he tried a different angle. Yep, they just and, gave him. Because he always had the look. There was always a look. But even with pro wrestling, you can have that look and it doesn't necessarily... Like anyone can be... Six seven, lean two fifty six pack. Look, yeah, whatever. But you also have to be good on the mic, and, and you have to be athletic too, and, and also have a fanny pack and have uh, a turtleneck, a turtleneck, okay. <laughs> and a Kleenex on your elbow. Sure, but you know he's an interesting dude, and I think yeah. he's a really impressive person who works very hard and just keeps on. I really love his positivity, and that yeah. he does movies like this where he's really pushing another narrative, another story. He and he really put his heart. So there, there's there's a funny story behind. So the scene. So a lot of the crowd shots, especially the the final fight, uh, where she wins the women's championship, to get a lot of the crowd reaction shots, uh, without unbeknown to Vince McMahon and Triple H, The Rock. This was a couple of years ago when they were making the movie. The Rock called him up and he was just like, "Hey, I'm gonna be in town. Do you need anyone to do? Do you need me to do a guest spot on Raw?" And then they were just like, well, of course, why would we say no? But it turns out he had other plans on his own. So The Rock, um, they have what, the, what they're called dark matches. It's like before the real wrestling show comes on TV, they have like stuff that's not televised. So The Rock came out early, you know, like 6.30 p.m. Yeah. People had no idea. And he brought his own camera crew. He brought the, whole, the camera crew for Fighting With My Family with him. And then to get the crowd to go crazy, there, there, there's amateur footage on YouTube. Uh, they started, the crowd started chanting CM Punk. So then The Rock goes, oh, you want me to call CM Punk? I'll call him right now. And he pulls out his cell phone, and that just got the crowd to go crazy, and then he had his camera crew film it 
to use for footage in the movie, and then it got, and then Vince McMahon and Triple H got really upset at him. But that's the kind of clout that uh, The Rock had. He can get in trouble with Vince McMahon and stuff, like, whatever. I'm, like, the highest paid male actor, and I, I don't care anymore. What I also love about this movie, too, is it opens the door for other niche stories that right. could be told, specifically women wrestling. Like, so going back to The Rock for a second, The Rock's mother, I'm not gonna, I don't know my wrestling history like that, but she was one of the first female wrestling promoters. Right. And I'm just, just imagine, like, you're this tiny woman trying to tell, you know, big giants, like, what to do. Like, hey, you're going to lose tonight. You're going to lose this title. I'm only going to pay you this. Like, so you can only imagine um, another famous story when The Rock <clears throat> was a kid. He was, like, a, a teenager. Maybe not even a teenager, preteen. Like, when he was 12 or something, The Rockers oh, yeah. had a show because The Rock's mother booked in Hawaii. The Rockers had a show in Hawaii, and they were known, both Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels were just known to be, like, a handful. Like, they, they could just mm. be pricks. And Shawn Michaels was giving his mother, uh, The Rock's mother, a hard time in this match that she was trying to book. So much so that at one point, The Rock, like a young, like 12, 13-year-old Rock, tried to fight Shawn Michaels. Damn. And they and he remembered that all through his career. So at the time when The Rock blew up, Shawn Michaels wasn't wrestling. He was injured. And then there was this like short sliver of time when they were both wrestling. And The Rock was like, I don't ever want to work with... Sh-. They, they, they've ironed things out behind the scenes now because this was decades ago. But like during... They, they never wanted to... And imagine that. Think about it. There's never been a Shawn Michaels-Rock match. I think the... I mean, it ain't going to happen now, but I think we, we as fans were robbed of that. But hey, you know. And I I had to look it up, and it hasn't happened very much, mm-hmm. but there have been a couple instances of Sweet Chin music used in the UFC. No, really? Yes. Like straight shit? Yo, it's, yo, and like no everyone loses Who, like John Jones or something? I no, see no. him doing that. Uh, John Jones has like... After shooting up. Hey. That's not... That guy's a brat, and he gets... Everything just handed to him, so I'm sorry, but go ahead. Uh, n- not maybe, that he's not a good at, not maybe, that he's not an amazing maybe, athlete. Maybe but. he doesn't deal with consequences. No, as he, he should. No, but never but his his fights, he wins. No, I, I, yeah, I know, I there, know. There is no one at his weight class yet yet who's unless DC comes back, beats Stipe, and then. Beats John Jones. John at Jones has his number. I don't think that'll unfortunately, I, I, and that's I, always gonna. He has his number. Me. He has his number in light heavyweight. In heavyweight, I think it could be a different story. Mm. But there's too many fights to happen right now before that'll happen. Sure. And right now, they're they're creating a wonderful feud between Israel Adesanya and John Jones for 2021. Wow. Yeah. Oh wow. Because they hate each other, and it could happen. Cool. Yeah. And it's funny, they're not that different in age, but, like, John Jones will say stuff, and Israel Adesanya will be like, okay, boomer. <laughs> funny. But, yeah, I was just, like, really taken aback by how well that story was and how my heartstrings were tugged. You know, like, I'll check out certain stuff that I feel like, you know, you're, you're going <coughs> to like, like, if it's worth taking a look at. Also, this it also showed Florence Pugs kind of versatility because I saw fighting with my family when it first came out then that was like an opening night I went with Tam we both wanted to see that but then you know a couple months later I saw Midsommar and in the face I'm like what else was she in why does she look familiar and then after the movie like I looked her up and then I was looking up her filmography it's not that big and it was like so I'm like who is she in fighting with my family she was one of the blonde girl oh wait that was her oh wow that was her yeah so she's had a she's had a great year yeah. Bug. 
Yeah, I just and I just like the legacy. I like oh Vince Vaughn had played yeah. played a good played an interesting yeah, character. Yeah, definitely. And just this story of like there's this dual nature because it starts off Paige and her brother trying to yeah. make it. There's and, that dynamic also, and her, and, and and her, her brother brother's technically better. Is technically better, but he doesn't have the it factor. Right, right. And Vince Vaughn has this moment where he explains to his his to to Paige like, look. I know where this ends for your brother because this is my life. My life is what your brother's could be. This isn't... Yeah. Le, le, this, this doesn't end well for him. He's a journeyman. Being a journeyman in this, in this field, being a journeyman, a gatekeeper, it hurts. It's painful. Yeah. And, you know, I'll say eight times out of ten, the best technical wrestlers are those lower mid-card guys that always lose. Because that's kind of why they're there, to make the other bigger star look... Not not, not the bigger stars outside of me, like a Hulk Hogan can't wrestle well. Because like Steve, Steve Austin was that for many years. Steve Austin was like the enhancement guy. But then it's like, oh, he's got a little bit of personality. But a lot of times, those dudes who are like really dope on the mat don't have that it factor. And, and it made me think... But of, think about how that translates to rap music. I was, uh, like, I was just okay. going to say that. No, there's, no, no. Just, there's yeah. like these people that are technical phenoms but never completely get past the gates. But whenever you check people who get more popular and like, who do you like? Yeah. How many rappers from the late 90s were like, Cool G Rap is the greatest rapper of all sure. time? Or how many young street guys are like, Jadakiss is the greatest rapper? But even... I don't even know. Or I like, think we're out like, of that Jadakiss Cool G like rap Mach, area. Mach Hami's obsession with Capone Noriega. Right. I'm thinking more like nowadays, I'm thinking like a Micah 9 or Saphir or even Farrell Monch now. Just, I don't know if you saw the other, there was uh, Mr. But X. Farrell Monch, <clears throat> Monch was like your favorite rapper's favorite rapper for a long time. And then he, he ebbs and flows because people rediscover him. That's true. I guess my issue, like, now that, because it's, you know, the end of the decade, and there's all these, like, lists. And I know lists don't necessarily matter, and it's all personal opinion, but <clears throat> there's always those, no matter what you list, like, your favorite best of rappers and T.I., you're going to have a, on a top 50, I guarantee, like, at least 20 will be the same. Yeah. So that's why it always annoys, Fairmont is never on a list, and that's kind of why, like, you know, stuff like that bothers me. So Mr. Esquire was on Twitter debating everyone <clears throat> it was really annoying actually I'm, I'm a fan of his music and he was saying yeah. he was defending drake and there were levels to this because a lot of times underground rappers like mr x Squire hate well, their fan base and, also, and they kind of want but also fans. drake took like and this is well known and he even admits it mm-hmm. he took fonte's thing and made it more mainstream yeah so, no he said so, this so Fonte, yeah. who's who is a superior rapper to Drake, superior singer to Drake, yes, and an interesting dude, yeah. has good takes on a lot of things, and I like Drake to a certain extent. Yeah, he said some stuff about Kid Cudi where I was like, you know what, I'm done. But you know, that's pretty much even for a second. If you remember in the '90s, before before people really took on to JD, mm. or, or what better known as J Dill at this mm. point. High Tech was doing JD's thing and getting a lot of praise for it. Like those Lone late claps. Uh, mood. Guys, he's doing that. And yeah, like the, people were like, who is this dude? And then slowly people were, you know, now now High Tech, I mean, he still has a great career. He's still yeah, legendary. Yeah, yeah. But if you listen to his shakers and his claps and his beats, yeah. for especially from 
the first Reflection Eternal album, if you don't hear a lot of Jay Dillon that I, I don't know what to tell you. Sure. Oh, of course. What's the Midwest thing? But, no, what I was saying was, Mr. Esquire kept saying, name me someone more versatile than Drake. <clears throat> and he was responding to every single tweet except mine. And I kept saying, just one? Okay. Fair much. And he would just ignore it. Mm-hmm. And then I would say, Andre 3000. And he would ignore it. And then it just kind of, I was like, okay, so you are troll because you're not these, you know... And then I would say a snarky thing, and then he would respond to that, and it's like, right. oh, okay, so so you so you are just kind of half trolling because you know the deal, you know, making a claim like that, there's no rapper more versatile than Drake is nonsense. But right, anyway. But it's also like it just shows that Farrell, okay. when you say Farrell Munch's name, it sh- it literally shuts people up. Or like when you even talk about the pantheon of of the early of of uh, the original Atlanta, people might only say Andre three thousand, mm-hmm. but. You also are forgetting about Big Boy, Witch Doctor, Cujo, mm-hmm. CeeLo. Um, there's 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 more than just one person or one thing or one taste. Sure. And also, I just really enjoyed. You just sent me the new old Drug album, the newest mm-hmm. old Drug album. He's three albums this year. Yeah. And I just thought like there's this one song where he's rapping hard Jewish shit mm-hmm. with with on a grimy beat with Modest Yahoo on it. Yeah. Where, where he's like talking about hard Jewish stuff but also having lines like hardcore like chrome mags with chrome mags yeah which is That's which is dope. like the hottest double entendre mm-hmm. because obviously the chrome mags are like seminal hardcore band uh John Joseph who's a very famous vegan and triathlete and Harry Krishna was in the chrome mags and and then chrome mags you yeah. know like uh guns yeah Speaking of guns mm-hmm. and and revolution and stuff, our very good friend Ntume recently said that you should check out by this time it'll be off Criterion Channel, but you can totally watch it on other places pretty easily. Oh what burn? Burn, yeah. Um uh nineteen sixty nine Italian war drama film directed by Gila Pontecorvo, starring Marlon Brando, Evaristo Marquez and Renato Salvatore, music by Ennio Morricone. Um, and where, I, I, where Marlon Brando plays a fictional version of William Walker, a tradition that would be continued in Alex Cox's anachronistic disaster piece, Walker. Just you could take out the piece part, but yeah, I was just gonna say sorry. Um, I was just I gonna say I like that movie. <clears throat> I just feel I'm fine. I mean, it's not like I don't own own the movie and, and know that movie well, so I'm not gonna say like oh I hate it. But I've come across plenty of people and a lot, and some of it's due to availability. But it's like plenty of people know Alex Cox as Walker. And I just think you kind of owe it to yourself. Just, just if you're gonna see one, see the other. You do kind of owe it to yourself to see Burn. Well, Burn, yeah, because like Marlon Brando plays a man who who is sent to this uh, fake island in a fictional Portuguese island in the Lesser Antilles, where he's trying to agitate and create a slave rebellion so as to quote unquote end slavery for the capitalistic hope of Britain reclaiming and having white laborers. Obviously, it's not that simple. Mm-hmm. It's a true tragedy, a power po- power performance, and it's a damning uh, testimony of white supremacy and colonialism. Mm-hmm. And it's it's dumb that Criterion took it off. Can can you go on it a little bit? I need to get a little sip of water. Yeah, about sure. Burn. Your thoughts about Burn? Sure. Just because I'm too uh, Gant, great friend of the show. He pointed out. If I'm not, and, mis- I, th- and I sure. think it does connect to. Uh, the next movie we're going to go into. What, a marriage story? 
uh, Atlantics. <laughs> I know. <clears throat> um, now, what's if I'm not mistaken, I thought Burn was a Criterion film, so it's not even it's that like hard. Off Criterion for some reason. Right, but the DVD, I'm sure you can get. And actually, if I'm not mistaken, before. There's a non-criterion physical DVD that's like pretty easy to come by. I'm sure you can get a a, um, a nice cheap used copy um, on Amazon. But you know, I'll also say that Ponte Corvo's Burn is also it 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 plays as a nice double feature companion to something like Battle of Algiers. Okay. Um, and you know, going back to Al- it's just it's just like someone take it. It does have that revolutionary spirit. I mean, not for nothing, Alex Cox is. Walker is true has a true revolutionary spirit, but it's like if someone took, if Ponte Corvo took that, obviously he took that same subject matter, but just more serious about it. And right. I like Ed Harris, but you know Marlon Brando kind of. Uh, I hit, mean, you you, it, you can't you can't compare. I mean, Marlon Brando. Oh, well, you kind of if they're playing the same person, you you, you can compare. Right, you're. Yeah. I'm you're right. I'm just saying that uh, Marlon Brando. One of one of the greatest actors of all time. Ed Harris is a good actor. Sure, sure. And this this was Marlon Brando's favorite favorite film he was in. And oh, is it? I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh no way. Definitely got some vibes with the excellent White Material by Claire Denis. Oh yeah. Any of film that's about like civil unrest and and yeah. strange white, you know, interloping yeah. is going to have connections. Yeah. But but another but. Do you have any more thoughts on Burn? No, no. And also, I thought about it because I was watching these these uh, anarchist movies that were on Ovid. Mm-hmm. There's what whoever whoever is curating their stuff there. There's a lot of leftist stuff, so yeah. I'm a happy camper. They also have guest curation, so Ovid, if you're listening, we'd we'd love to curate uh, a main page deal. Um, oh, that would be dope as heck. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. dope as heck. Yeah. What up, Priscilla? Thank you for reaching out to us. Um, so which which uh, reminds me of you know speaking of of islands and change and and story, Atlantics, mm-hmm. which was directed by Maddie Diop, who we best known from a film that we discussed, I think, on episode two or three of Zebras in America. Right. And and our Claire Denis retrospective, obviously. Yeah. 35 Shots of Rum. Yes. So she goes from that to making her first feature-length film. Yes. What a first film. First feature. For, yes. She's made some long shorts. Her first... Like 40, 50-minute long right. stuff. First but, yeah. feature film. Yeah. Has has the distinction of being the first black female director to be in competition at Cannes. Mm-hmm. Uh, her film is a sort of magical realist ghost story taking place in Dakar, yeah. which is uh, which is in Senegal, mm-hmm. which is a French, amongst other things, a French speaking African country, mm-hmm. and it's about this woman who who is in love with a, with a man but yeah. is but is supposed to be married to someone else yeah and at, there's also this gigantic skyscraper being built and yeah. the people who are working on the mo- on the film aren't being paid yes you know i also i like to <clears throat> what's so cool about this movie is the ambiance from start to finish is great but the basic story does start as this almost love triangle where 
<clears throat> this woman, she's to be married to this more well-off gentleman, but she, her true feelings lie for this kind of poorer, you know, lower, I'm using air quotes, lower class guy, but she, there's all this pressure to marry this guy. So what starts out is like your basic, like, love triangle-ish movie. Yeah, and there's, they're all supposed to meet, and yeah. they hang out at this bar mm-hmm. by the yeah. water, and, and there's a lot of water, and, and unlike burn there's i don't think there's like any white people in this movie no and she's supposed to be married off and she's waiting for this dude and the dude never shows up because because he doesn't tell her that him and his friends who can't who aren't getting paid for this for this skyscraper go out to sea to try to get work yeah and then it's largely intimated and then but then then a bunch of surreal stuff it's largely intimated and then proven later spoilers that they die at sea yeah but she doesn't know that at the time. Right. But people are starting to see visions of the people who disappeared. And then she goes to get married to this dude in a in a Muslim wedding ceremony. Mm-hmm. And then out of nowhere, her, her marriage bed just gets burned. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you realize that the spirits of the fishermen are showing up. Mm-hmm. And that's all I want to say about that. Yeah. Um, oh, and the music. Oh, my God. The music was incredible. Sure it was. And, and the filming and the, the delicate tones and their, the the shots and the... It's definitely a second... Oh, sorry. It's a second watch movie. Cause you can uh Absolutely. Because you can get caught up in little ambiance things and little cool things that, like, you miss other little yet important things to, like, the plot... Even though the plot is almost secondary, it's important, but it's also se- secondary because a lot of it, the movie plays out like like a dream. And you know, I think what I always I've been on a few podcasts recently where this has come up and I've said, said my little spiel. But while it makes perfect sense that <clears throat> you know Maddie Diab is connected to Claire Denis in more than one way, it's not just that she was in Thirty Five Rums. But, you know, Maddie Diab also had a scene in Bastards that was cut. Right. And, and, and they're just kind of a family. Claire Dini are family, like, you know, whatever. But it's important to note that, you know, Maddie Diab's father, uh, Jibril Diop, is, is a king of African cinema also. Most famous, you know, Tuki Buki is probably the, you know, her dad. You know, this is the daughter of the guy that... Her dad that, made Tuki Buki because I, yeah. I was... <clears throat> Avoiding yes. making comparisons to Tuki no, Buki go right because ahead. I didn't want to be like the same DNA made both movies. All right, so I feel I feel better being like, oh, there was definitely some narrative magical thread between the two, and they both have some magic to them. And it's weird because he's a big deal in world cinema, and while like people just mention, oh, the daughter of director, but it's like no, it gets a little deep deeper than that. Like their films are similar. There's a lot of you know. Um, I also like that they they like to push the dad daughter thing with like yeah. you know the Coppolas or even less not not so much anymore but for a second it was a big deal you know like Jennifer Lynch and David Lynch or um, oh, I forgot Michael Mann's daughter's name she directed uh, Texas Killing Fields but you know this is like Joanna Mann <laughs> exactly um, but yeah but this is an example of like you know just uh, two generations of great filmmakers in my and, opinion and it, it had some lyricism almost akin to the intruder more of not even a like by, very much so like by, by claire Denis. yeah very much so because um, it's one of those things where like there is a like there's a skeletal 
plot. There's a thing from top to bottom, start to finish, that's there. But, like, there's vertebrae, plots. like, there's all kinds of things that go there's, off yeah. and, 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 and whatever. There's so, a crisscross. Yeah, absolutely. And there are different things that are going. Crisscross. 50 on my pinky, so retarded. Sorry. You can't say, you said the R word. I was just quoting a song. You can't even quote things anymore, man. But take this backflip. But they were like, yeah, so like, there's like a bunch of different stories going on, but it's still like tender and violent at the same time. Yeah. A, a ghost story of greed and love gave me some vibes of personal shopper. God, no, I was just going to say, because I had the same two movies we, I bought yo, we should, we should have, we should have. We uh, should start we should a podcast. We should start a podcast, bro. Because the same reaction midway, like not even midway, early on, without not, not knowing. This is, let me slow down. Atlantics is also a movie. I didn't want to see clips. I didn't want to know it. This is one of those few times where I, I didn't seek everything I could about it. It was the same with Personal Shopper. And I had the same reaction both times. I was like, oh, this is like a ghost story. Yeah. <clears throat> in, it, in my head, it was the same. it's way, a like, mild oh. ghost story. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. A, sure, sure, sure. It's, it's, it's like... Uh, like even milder than like even an Uncle Bon Mu Bon Me sort of um, yeah Bo- Boon Me yeah I, I'm hungry Bon Me's a sandwich I oh know, man I'm, I'm, oh man I'm just kind of hungry oh man a Bon Me sandwich oh shit Ooh. with the carrots and stuff yo yeah. there's, anyway there's this restaurant called Bon Migos mm-hmm. and it's a real wasted opportunity because when I thought Bon Migos I was like oh shit it's gonna be torta Bon Me you know but it's just regular Bon Me's oh I didn't even think about that. <clears throat> but I'm saying, wouldn't like like a bomb me with some tortoise stuff sound slamming? Sure. Did I did I ever tell you about the? This is a true story. I'm not making a joke, even though it's funny. The Vietnamese restaurants that were in the black neighborhoods when I went to college. No. So even though <laughs> I'm not making this up, I mean you could try to Google, but they don't. I'm. This was 2002, 2003, so I'm sure these places maybe aren't even in business. But Hampton, Virginia, there, the, the, it's. I don't know if it's predominantly black. There's a lot of black uh, neighbors. I mean, it's Virginia. So anyway, that part of Virginia, there were a lot of Vietnamese restaurants. Even though it's pronounced pho, when you see how it's spelt, so these restaurants, they'd be called, like, in these, like, black shopping malls, it would be, like, P-H-O, real, or, like, show, like, pho real, Vietnamese food, But there's also a place called pho king. Yeah, that's it. But this was, like, they were trying to, like, appeal to black, like, yo, pho show. For real, like they were trying to kind of do that, but is that okay? We, I don't. I don't care. It's. I mean, it's silly. I'm not gonna. It's not. You know, I ate the food, so I, I couldn't have been that, that that offended. I ate a lot of food in Virginia. But yeah, Atlantic. Ate the most food. In Virginia. Atlantis is Atlantic is like it's in my top ten. I think of the year. Of course, yeah. It was my if I when I rank it, it's number four. Dude, or five? Dude, we want people to listen to our year-end list. Oh, you have no idea. It's and decade-end oh, list. That, that, but that ranking might change, honestly. Did you get my so. template? No. That we've been doing every year? Like, why you did that for Oh, me? yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Nice. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that'll probably come in 2020. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't see us recording again before 2020. I really... just I'll say this on here. Alana still does... Oh, she does want to do... A Once Upon a Time in America episode. I really would like you to see that. There's, it's like I mean, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Hollywood, yeah. Um, that's. Uh, I know you're not wrong. As someone who's uh, seen it, <clears throat> you're not wrong. But it's also I, see it. I think we'll have a lot to talk about. 
Ultimately, he does the... I mean, there are no spoilers now, you see. But he just does that inglorious bastard rewriting history shit where it's he like, loves doing fuck that. you. And also, like, don't play Bruce Lee. I just heard he played Bruce Lee, but I don't know. I didn't see it. Um, I, I have a difference in opinion, and I'm not gonna get. I'm not gonna get in, in, into. I'll, I'll tell you off, off record how I feel about that, but it's was, not in line with what a lot of people felt. I will say that much. Was Scarlett Johansson in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? She wasn't. But speaking of Scarlett Johansson, she was in, in marriage, 2019, in 2019 movies. Superhero movies. movies. It, it she all, she it, was in cool. Marriage Story. Yeah, the new Noah Baumbach film mm-hmm. starring Adam Driver and obviously. Scarlett Johansson, mm-hmm. Ray Liotta, mm-hmm. um, Laura Dern, Laura Alan Dern, Alda. Alan Alan Alda, which is funny because uh, it, rem- it, gave, it to me it had a little bit of a Neil Simon vibe. Sure. And Alan Alda, it was in uh, Jake's Women, mm-hmm. which was a play, but it was also a TV movie that I was obsessed with in the nineties, mm. which was a Neil Simon thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had like a very it had a very play feel. I mean, he he Adam yeah, Driver did. plays Noah Baumbach, but as a playwright, yeah, who who is very nice of him to give himself a Fulbright scholar in the movie, and I don't want to get it. See, okay, and also a there, it was a movie that had like a, a musical sequence that didn't bother me when he when he sings "Being Alive." Yeah. That At was least, actually a nice moment. That, that kind of came out like of nowhere. The best moment. One of the best moments. But it's I thought the movie was going to end when he cut his arm. I literally thought... Because the way people say... I, I saw that movie late. There were people who saw it at the New York Film Festival in TIFF. And that conflicted with my schedule at both festivals. Everyone who saw that movie before me was like, I was just floored by the ending. I was just... I, I just I, I. So I was like... When people told me that, I was like, wait, is this really... He's going to fucking die? And the sun's just going but to... The, but then when it ended, I was like, okay. Yeah, let's back up. Let's back <clears throat> Sorry, up. Sorry, yeah. Bit. But I'm just saying. So, I'm just saying. So... Many years ago, many years ago, Noah Baumbach uh, married Jennifer Jason Lee. He did. They made a couple movies together. Yes. And Margot at the wedding in Greenberg. Margot at the wedding in Greenberg. Greenberg's and, where it all. And oh yeah, things happened. But also, uh, he met Jennifer Jason Lee, whose best friend, who's married to his best, her best friend Phoebe, Phoebe Cates, mm-hmm. their son. Mm-hmm. With that other famous actor, Phoebe Cates. I don't know who Phoebe Cates is married to. Oh, well, it's like a famous dude. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, don't worry. We'll we'll I we'll get there. Someone's screaming at the podcast right now. It's so and so. Yeah, I know. I'll get there. I don't have time. I'm telling the story, so I can't look it up. Their son played the little boy in Squid and the Whale. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesse Ehrenberg playing Eisenberg. Eisen, Eisenberg. I always get that wrong. Mm-hmm. Playing that dude. Have you seen the Art of Self Defense yet? No. We gotta talk about it when you do. Okay. Um, and you know, Squid in the Whale is another autobiographical, semi-autobiographical story about young Noah Baumbach and and his brother. Yes, we've talked about this before. Yeah. yeah. And even Kicking and Screaming, his first film. Yeah. Is, you know. But so anyway. the the thing is, like Noah Baumbach's had a long career, and we talked about him. Last week when we were talking about Mumblecore and, and the Bujowskis, who, again, like the how he wrote Lady and the Tramp. What? Yeah. It makes me want to see it where, like, ladies, like, ladies probably like, hey, what are you doing later? And the Tramp's like, I don't know. 
Gonna listen to some vinyl. Um, do you want to have some spaghetti? I, I know a good place. Uh, sure, yeah. Yeah, because if you don't mind. <laughs> like, the, the arcade <laughs> fire slowly. Fans and just in. like, uh, it's all like that. Uh, I guess. Do you have a gluten allergy? <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> Anyways, so they fell in love, they married, and then when they made Greenberg, the 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 co-star was was director actor Greta Gerwig. At some point, they say they fell in love after the relationship was over. That mm-hmm. there wasn't an affair, mm-hmm. and they are now married. And uh, Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach, yeah. or they might even be married, but they have a child and they work together. And yeah, and apparently. A marriage story is a sort of fictional retelling of his divorce with right. with Jennifer, Jennifer Jason, Jason Lee. Lee, played by Scarlett Johansson. And when apparently when he sent her the script, she was crying. Mm. Oh, wow. And I think it was a very tender telling and did it in a way where you weren't really rooting or not rooting for anyone. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Like, neither of them look terrible, neither of them look great. Yeah, okay. As long as we say neither of them look great. But yeah, I think that's... And that's the point. Um, you know, it's funny, too. The one thing that... And, and this... He brought it on himself by... Like, when you start to dabble into... This is true. Well, that's not true. This is true. Well, that's not true. Like, it starts to... You quite, like, you know... Because Be a lot of criticisms was like... He he did like what you were saying. Oh, he made himself a Fulbright scholar. This famous playwright. There's like this famous tweet. I'm not gonna even mention who tweeted it, but um, just like in a marriage story, Adam Driver is a Fulbright scholar, and Scarlett Johansson is just some woman that showed her tits in a teen movie. And you know, haha! Every other person on Twitter tries to do stand up on on Twitter, but I think a big part of that is like you almost missed the boat in the in the fact it's like yeah. That was Scarlett Johansson because she did sacrifice a lot of her life and her career to be a mother and a family person and a supportive person, another a, a supportive cog in the wheel of Adam Driver's in that Adam Driver's playwright career. And that she was one of his actors. A lot of her money went into his yeah. stuff, so it's kind of like so. It's if that's pretty, what you deduced her to, that's a pretty sexist. One and and one it was a woman minded. and it was a woman who well who said I didn't, I don't so, know who said hey. it but I'm saying yeah. to to not to not acknowledge how how part how much it is to be a parent and a supporter and put energy yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. put your career on hold to help other careers yeah that's I I disagree with that premise yeah, yeah. and you know me I'm hot and cold. On Noah Baumbach, yes. I didn't care for Meyer with stories. I liked Miss Little Miss USA. Yeah. I didn't care for the movie before that. Oh, oh Francis Hawk. Yeah, I didn't care for that. I actually liked that movie. Uh, Greenberg made me very uncomfortable, mm. as I suppose it should. Margot at the wedding was good. My question is, uh, you know, do we need Noah Baumbach? Sure. I'll say sure. <laughs> He's someone I don't... It's weird because we're talking about him. We've talked about him before. We've talked about Meyerwood stories. We've talked about all this stuff. But 
he's someone I don't like. That I'm sure someone needs him. I don't, but I'm not the universe. So that so that's all I can say. So, so that so that all comes down to just sure, why not? You know. And, but it's definitely good for people like him to have a place like Netflix that can just yeah, yeah, yeah. give him his his space and directors making Netflix grade their movies the way they want them to, not having these these really messed up color situations that were happening in early Netflix features. Yeah. Where everything just sort of looked like Daredevil. <laughs> sure. Also, one more thing I want to say about Atlantics mm-hmm. was that I, I was also taken aback with its use of red cameras and and mm. Panasonic Varicams. Because mm. sometimes you don't realize the cameras that are being used, but then you'll you'll see a movie where the use of it really brings you back. Like the, the Soderbergh Che films, mm-hmm. which were so red. Yeah. And just really good use of it, not trying to... Not trying to imitate film, just trying to use what you have. Sure. But yeah, what did you think of Marriage Story? I thought it was fine. <clears throat> um, I, it, liked, it, I liked it a lot more than I expected. Okay. That, no, that's cool. I, 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 what, what I will say, and let me just preface this by saying what I'm about to say. It's like, I find it interesting that I'm not saying Noah Baumbach should have done it this way because this was partially his story. So tell, tell, tell what you know. Noah Baumbach's the kind of guy that just stay niche. Talk about slightly privileged upper class folks. Like oh, don't he, do he, he didn't anything. Even talk else while we're young. The other Adam, the Adam Driver, Ben Stiller. I mean, I think there's a reason for that. <laughs> but wow. I'm just saying that movie's very forgettable. Um, I find it what, what I do find interesting with a lot of marriage movies is, <clears throat> and and I'm just gonna say a lot of these movies introduce certain super duper realistic elements so once you start doing that it can be like a slippery slope where it's just like both scarlett johansson and adam driver had the pockets to get lawyers and ask for this ask for that do this but it's like your average marriage someone usually a husband i'm not saying either way i'm not saying oh man we get screwed no i'm not i'm just saying there's usually and and a lot of, it could be a, like some women get screwed out of some kind of a prenup. They they're just, when marriage is over they get nothing, and and I'm just saying there's sometimes, a lot of times divorces can be very one sided, and I don't and based on people who I know personally who've been divorced, both friends and family, I don't know how realistic, this, movie is to what I know. I've never been divorced, but it's like. A lot of times people get taken to the cleaners and a lot of people don't have the resources to right. just to ju- like cuz you and and this movie it's very interesting cuz it it's it, it's a lot of smoke and mirrors like you forget like oh you have the ability to like I'll take this lawyer. Actually, you know what? I don't want this lawyer. I'm going to get this lawyer and you have money to just switch from lawyer to lawyer to just move even though sure that New York apartment was nicer than the LA depart- uh, apartment put to just on a whim in that notice, I think I'll move across the country to be with my son. Like, you have to have resources to do that. Right. And not everybody has that. But I'm just saying. But just, it's also I, just you know, like I, their story. Like, like let's all... be real. Like, like in Blue Valentine, Ryan Gosling's character is going to have roommates for the rest of his life. I'm just going to keep it. Like, he's screwed. You yeah. know what I'm saying? That he's was... very screwed. It would like, because that's a very sad movie as he's walking with great ending. It's going to get even more sad. Because court Lord, people are going to get... And, he has no high school. He has no high school education, no degree. 
He's a mover. He's going to have... He's going to live in Canarsie with roommates. He's going to live, like, on the bottom of someone's house. Yeah. And, paying $700 a month. he's probably not going to be able to, like, like he's not going to see that kid. No, it's not Not necessarily. Be- I think it's understood. But, but, I'm, I was going to get, so not to dismiss that, but even that, children can be and sometimes are used as, you know, whatever. Like, it, it is, you'll never see this kid again. I want him more. I want him. So there's that. And they were actually, there were little... Adjustments in that movie were like, well, I get him, so I want it. But at the end of the day, Johansson and Driver were actually pretty amicable for, from beginning to end. Yeah. And it's like, to some degree, Scarlett Johansson's character fucking better be because this guy moved all the way from New York to, to Los Angeles. Not that he should be given too much of a pat on the back because that's your son and you want to raise him and stuff. But still, that's that, that, the average person can't just do what either of these pe- 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 people did. But Especially again, in a divorce. But, but then again, this is this is their story. And no, I say I know. I, I they're know. upper echelon people. I know. Yeah, that's true. You know, I think a real divorce minister would be very depressed. Would he be even more depressing? Yeah, I mean, there are <clears> movies <throat> where people get divorced and it's ugly. I just can't think of them right now. It's not even the uh, that that goes without saying. I'm talking like the aftermath. We're now shady aftermath. Like I was going, like the dad now has to have a roommate for life because he's just. Taken to the cleaners. I'm. I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, roommate, dad, the musical. Yeah, that's a fun. That'd be a good movie. I want you know, like when that movie ended, I wanted it to be like an extra scene where <laughs> I just wanted to look out where, for Adam Driver, he, where he dresses up like uh, a woman and takes <laughs> care of them. <laughs> the origin story. No, the origin story. Where Scarlett of, Johansson's uh, like Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, he's like, you know what? Why don't you just take him for the night? He, he's tired. You can take him. And I wanted Adam Driver, I wanted the credit, like, before the credit, he just stops, like, okay, so just so we're clear, my days are still my days, though. We're not off, now that I got him on a day that I wasn't expecting, like, if I had him tomorrow, I still have him tomorrow and the next day, right? And it's just this awkward moment where she's like, I guess so, and then I want the movie to end like that. I just wanted, I don't know why. Well, when he was when he was more mumble course, he probably would have done something like that. So, like, I still get him Wednesday also, right? This doesn't, you know. Yo, do you remember that movie Cyrus? Of course, that was a good movie. That was that was. I like that movie. That was a good mainstream mumble. It was. There's there's a really like. That's with uh, John C. Riley and John C. Uh, Riley, Marissa Tomei, and Jonah Hill. There's like a nice tender moment. Catherine Keener's in it too, where like after the, after that whole blow up at at the wedding, and then they break up after. Because John C. Riley's like, I can't do this anymore. There's a great little montage scene where between where she's trying to get him back. She's like, we can do this. He's like, no, I can't. He moves into this like crappy apartment. And then like Cyrus and his mom are out at some restaurant eating and she's depressed. I think that's one of the best like kind of sad sequence scenes yeah. in, 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 in a very long time. Also, realistically speaking, that shit would have been over early on. When John C. Riley just showed up at her house the next day uninvited. Like just sit. But anyway, yeah, sorry. Still a good movie. I enjoyed it. Yeah, no, I, 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 I did too. And I just want to say, uh, I care about you. Why well, you're not gonna say you're not gonna say nothing back to that? No, I mean I care about you too. I just don't. I'm weird. You know, I don't know. And, I wouldn't uh, even say that stuff to my dad. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just weird, but I don't know. Uh, and uh, I'm glad to I'm glad to know you for another year. Absolutely. And Zebra's gonna do thing gonna do big things yeah. this 2020. I agree. I'm I'm glad to have you part of my wedding. It's gonna be great. 
You're not going to be nervous, are you? What? That was a real question. Are you going to be nervous? It's like over 150 people. Are you going to say anything? Nobody live or ever. My shit's spin at every wedding like having the killer. Choice not to eat Christmas like Felice Navidad. Try the yard, but you lack in the grimy ties. Darling, I'm George Carlin. You more like Rich Boss. Three cuts in your eyebrows, trying to wild out like Chris Cross. Wish Boss, sucker, wish I was Boss. Pity the fool still just made a cool mill off the mission guards. Talk about you had it hard. My father once took me for a dip down at Caesar's Bay. Was swimming by the rocks in the Mars. Grandma's cooking the farce. Gefelter, that period blood sold in Veselka. Ain't got shit on her boss. Wild smoke coming out the exhaust. I ain't trying to endorse her. Grab a speed pass in the flying saucer. Blink once and I lost her. Yeah. A portly black shorty. Only time you've been in the Porsche. Should've just kept me headed, looking at me like you ain't have to do them how you did them. These little boys just trying to get them where they fitted. Spitting over the same beats like rhythms. Waiting on that rescue out of poverty. Never comes. Motherfuckers only staying alive to see many a dark day. Clank. Wanna get your life right? Meet me at 770 Eastern Parkway. Oh my bad, you staying loyal to who? All they do is eat dick and suck blood like you creepy ass moyos do. Like on my Hebrew national labels like we can't change rule. He too rational. I'm walking meetings with a star of David. And check if they really fans, ask which bar your favorite. Just cause I know that every deal ain't kosher. No, For me it ain't cash rules, it's cash rules.